every once in a while when I'm particularly upset about something political, I have this neat little way of checking myself to make sure that I'm not, you know, raging out uh, an order of magnitude too far. And one of the first things that I do is go see what Karen Burson or Karen Brown Burson has said about this thing on her Facebook page because she's one of the most reasonable and well-reasoned people that I know. And so often Karen and I are in the same spaces. So it was such a pleasure to have her sit down and talk about what the fuck is happening in Hamilton. Karen Burson, I love you so much. I love you, Dakota. Oh, it's so glad. I'm so glad to have you here for this because you're... And I don't know if you realize this, but your Facebook posts and the way that you post and comport yourself online is like a model for how I do that. Very much so. And, and I pay a great deal of attention to what you do and say, because I think the ways in which you approach these things are super powerful. So thank you for oh, that. Wow. And, and also, I encourage everyone to go on Facebook and follow Karen Burson, because she is a goddess with how she comports herself. It's fantastic. Oh, so kind of you to say that. Yeah, thank you. it's you have social justice superpowers i would say <laughs> and it's I've, I've looked at a couple of you know different communities and stuff like that mm -hmm. and there's people that do that kind of thing in communities and i feel like there's i i want to start up an award system and and like go to calgary and be like tj hepburn here's your award for the good works that you do and the good things karen burson here's your it, it's such an important and neat and weird thing that people don't necessarily think of. Maybe that could be a new category for the Maggies. Maybe. I think that's stretching it a little bit, but there yeah. must be some way to... Because there are people who are posting stuff that just completely blows me away mm -hmm. and also influences my approach and yeah. gives me plenty to think about. It's it's wonderful. It's It makes me think of like the salons yeah. in Paris yeah. 150 years ago and people coming in and talking and exchanging ideas and occasionally getting into a wild fist fight, but mostly yeah. trying to behave themselves. And it's, um, it's a neat aspect of the modern world because I'd kind of fallen out of, you know how you become more like the people that are around you, yes. especially linguistically? Yes. That was like, 15 years ago, for me, that was a real problem. I was in Hamilton bartending, and nothing wrong with the people that were at the bar regularly or anything like that, all wonderful folks. But I found my, my vocabulary in decline oh. and the ways in which yeah. I was thinking about things in decline because, and then suddenly social media, and I'm like, oh, I can oh. find the people that want to talk about the things. And, and it's really kind of a fascinating thing for me. Yeah, my newsfeed sometimes feels like that. I feel like I'm in a room having a conversation with some of the brightest, most interesting people in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And I feel privileged to be welcome in that kind of space. Yeah. And it's, I mean, for me, I'm connected to so many people that it's it's good and bad. I go out, like mm -hmm. I, I was out this afternoon picking up this dress at Blackbird and walked into the mall and there's Lila McClose. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, run and hug and you know yeah. but there's always somebody there that i know and there's like a community thing going on that i'm really bad at being a neighbor you know i, I don't know the people that live next door to me other than to be like eh, in the hallway yeah. and that's about all i do and and i feel nervous about doing more close mm -hmm. to home and i don't know why that is but i'm so glad that i have another community of people and in the midst of all that happened after pride and me voicing so much upset people were like reaching out to me in really mm -hmm. warm and beautiful ways including yourself i recall you being like hey are you okay and i was like yeah, yeah crying I, a lot but i'm okay yeah i really wanted to know because um you were on a bit of a hot seat throughout a lot of that yeah, I was just, I was just mad. Couldn't have been comfortable, but you know, you're expressing yourself. But by doing that, you're also expressing a lot of the feelings, questions, apprehensions, fears, whatever, anger that other people were feeling, but didn't quite know how to express, or mm -hmm. didn't maybe didn't feel comfortable expressing it. Yeah, well, and it's, <clears throat> it's interesting. This whole, like, today is my year anniversary of being public about my transition, Yay! and yeah, that's awesome. 
And uh, I wasn't saying it for the applause, but let's carry on with that. Um, <clears throat> before then, I had all of the privilege. And, and that was great. Nothing, nothing wrong with it. Don't want to negate that in any kind of way. But there was a point where I started to see all of the things. And I was like, oh, God, I've been so blind. Even though I've been, like, you know, railing against things for years, I'm like, now I really understand. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and one of them was the lack of appropriate community, or not community response, the lack of appropriate governmental response to issues and, and realizing that it's taken me a while. I'm just coming to it. I don't think they can do anything. Like, even if they really, really, really wanted to, I don't think that they can. So my anger about them not doing the things, now I'm like, that's kind of naive. And I, I... And it makes me feel really sad, actually, about the, you know, what can Mayor Fred, Fred Eisenberger actually do? Well, he can do better than what he's doing. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to let him off the hook or anything mm -hmm, like that. Sure. But in actuality, in terms of, you know, getting rid of the yellow vests or, you know, that kind of thing, there's not a lot of really tangible stuff that they can do that doesn't damage everyone else as well. And there's a real weird balance there. And, you know, not sorry to go on a big rant and not give you any space, That's but right. I'm, I'm wondering, like, <clears throat> do you have hopes for better from them? I have to. Yeah. <laughs> I have to have hope. Otherwise, there's no point in trying. And I really do believe there's a point in trying. Mm -hmm. And even if they don't get to the place where we would like them to be in terms of providing uh, protection and appropriate responses, you have to start somewhere. Mm. It's a tough gig being a mayor of a city. Oh, sure. Knowing that the rules that protect the yellow vests are the same rules that protect me as a mm -hmm. woman of color, and that you have to strike that very difficult balance in a very public way and as a circumstance where people are really expecting results and have legitimate reasons for wanting to, to yeah. see these results. Um, and being the mayor, it's kind of awkward when there's a situation like what happened at the uh, Gandhi March in front mm -hmm. of City Hall two weeks ago where they were, the yellow vests were invited to show up, yeah. and they did, without their um, uniform, without the placards, mm -hmm. um, behaving pretty well. Um, but they were able to have a conversation with him, and he had to go along with that, because mm -hmm. he's everybody's mayor, not well, it's, just It's mine. not like he can be like, stop, fuck off, get the Exactly. There are it would be crazy if he exactly. did that. Exactly, yeah. and they're citizens. They're just as entitled to walk up to him as I am. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, that created an optic that people were really put off by. They yeah. were like, why is he talking to them? And I'm like, I've been here every week for, for months and I've never been able to talk to the mayor. But that optic is sort of at odds with the nature of the conversation that sure. was had. So I've seen a, a short video clip of part I of that conversation. One, yeah. yeah, and it's like, Mayor Fred wasn't having it. No, I, I can see his discomfort oh, in yeah. that moment and stuff. And it's that that helped me feel better because... I had heard or, or read somewhere that, you know, he ended up having a private chat with them afterwards mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I was like, well, that's a really messed up thing to do. It seems kind of crazy. And then actually seeing the words, it's, I, I breathed out a little bit on yeah, that one. Me too. And, uh, you know, I'm still mad about plenty yeah, of, of other course. things. In particular, the Cardis thing and the words he said surrounding that were really heartbreaking to me because it there's a, there's a perspective that I want people at all levels of governance to have and and I I don't think he at all manages to have that and and that is that all of the things that you know beginning with the charter that that all governance from everywhere down to that begins with that and mm -hmm. that we you know we don't necessarily have to incorporate that into all things, but we have to uphold those ideals in all things. And, um, and there's none of that. Like there was straight up a, well, we think they're more likely to sue us than the gays are. is what I was getting from that. 
Which is kind of the way politics and managing a municipality works, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. They have their guidelines, they have their constraints, they have to go for the cheapest bidder and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that they weren't more skillful in finding a way to manage that. They could have said, potentially, in light of our policy on diversity, Mm -hmm. we can't do that. But there's no policy on diversity yet. It's yep. still in draft form. Uh-huh. So we have a ton of catching up to do to have any hope of dealing with, well, hate, wherever it sure. is its ugly face. Well, it's, uh, one of the interesting things is I, I saw a, um, a definition mm-hmm. of hate that uh, came out of the municipality of Toronto. And, um, and this was something that they did like 17 years ago right? or something like that. And yeah. they like it just... Every bit of it makes exact perfect sense. And that's actually what's missing in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's not a complicated thing. It's a super simple thing. And, and I've spoken to counselors about whether they can do that kind of thing. And they're kind of like, well, we'll, we'll give it some consideration. Oh, awesome. <laughs> that feels great. Thanks. <laughs> great work. Yeah. And, and I keep being left with hoping for more and, and, when you see things like, well, we're going to study this, but it's going to take us eight months. Or, you know, we're going to look into what the police did after Pride, and it's going to take us eight months. We're going to look into our rules about the forecourt. And this is in July. And they're like, we'll get back with it sometime in October. And, I, I mean, to put it in its most simplest, that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. I've not been able to make it down to the forecourt for the um, protests against the yellow vests very often. And, and I kind of made a decision early on. There's, there was a couple of things happening. As I saw a couple of things on Twitter when I was first making memes and saying, these guys are bad and they're down there and stuff like that. Somebody described people coming out to the protest as Dakota's army. And I was like, what (laughs) and this is at the exact same time where they're like well we're gonna start following these people home and i'm just like my brain just exploded and i had a full meltdown and it was like i am stepping back from this Mm -hmm. other people will do it and so i haven't made it down very often i've made it down a few times but i know that you've been there quite regularly Mm -hmm. and and i have the general impression that that there is violence committed against people counter-protesting every single week. It's changed uh-huh. a lot. Now, I remember when you were um, feeling some uncertainty about showing because you had concerns about your personal safety. Sure. At the time, I encouraged you to just stay away if yeah. you're not feeling safe. Oh, yeah, it was you and that I, still, we, I spoke to about that. Yeah. And I still feel that way. And, and I really think you did make the right decision because there were some really um, frightening interactions happening there. Mm-hmm. And uh, my personal choice was to remove myself physically from the, you know, those conflict points. Sure. Just to be there, but mm-hmm. not to be in anyone's face. And, yeah. you know, there's people who play different roles and do different things there. But it's changed, it shifted a lot with the yellow vests not feeling so comfortable being there. Mm-hmm. They aren't there every week anymore. Yeah. And when they are, it's not really the yellow vests in the vests with the ugly placards. It's the soldiers of Odin and Proud Boys. They were there other... a few weeks ago in big numbers. There were 20 or 30 of them from mm-hmm. out of town that were yeah. making a really huge presence. But um, now it can be Lily and a couple of your followers uh-huh. and good old ed will show up and they'll come and they'll go someone will ride through on their bike making threatening suggestions and statements yeah. but that intense combative kind of feel isn't there anymore mm. so the nature of our presence there has changed yeah now you know it's not a, a formal group by any stretch there's no mm-hmm. official leader it's just people there for different reasons but it's evolving into more of a Less of a counter protest mm-hmm. against something because they're not there. Yeah. They really have been chased off mm-hmm. uh, the forecourt. It's more about rallying for things that we believe in. So when uh, Sean Dowling uh, 
brings his placards. Mm-hmm. Uh, people get to choose whatever message they feel comfortable, and yeah. they tend to be really positive. I think they're mm-hmm. all all the ones that Sean and his daughter makes are they're positive. Phenomenal. So yeah. it's love, peace acceptance Mm -hmm. diversity and statements along those themes so now that there's also the love and the hammer choir that performs every week the vibe has really changed and i feel like it's almost time for families to come back Mm -hmm. and to be there and to feel safe yeah um the gandhi march was it was kind of problematic in the way that it Mm -hmm. um unfolded but it does it sort of fed this shift a little bit more. Yeah. And with the Diwali, um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that Diwali, yeah. uh, Festival of Light happening tomorrow, I anticipate again, it's gonna bring light to the situation. I and I don't so, think yeah. the yellow vests are gonna dare show up to that because look at the optics. Mm-hmm. So they're really focused on a different location right now. They've taken up residence. At Dunder and Dunder Castle, which Castle. is yeah, the seat of colonialism in which, Hamilton. Which is kind of hilarious. Uh-huh. Um, no history of slaves there, thankfully. But um, so as a group, we're thinking, okay, what does this mean to us? Are we going to follow them around town? Yeah. You know, they were kicked out of Ottawa Street, which mm-hmm. was fine. Uh, they tried to start something on James North, and that didn't go well for them no, God, at no. all. Uh-huh. I don't know why they thought that would work. Um, Bayfront Park didn't work either. Mm-hmm. Uh, that got a, a really strange because of a, a citizen who sort of inserted herself into the situation in mm-hmm. a way that was, I'll just say, unexpected. Um, but they haven't been at Bayfront. They're really focused on Dunder and Castle. And that kind of bothers me for the same reasons that their presence at City Hall bothered me. Yeah. It's a location of civic import, Mm -hmm. historical import. It's a high traffic area. Uh, Dundurn Castle, there's people that can be seen with traffic flowing both ways. Mm -hmm. It's as though they're trying to take over our important sites to get their message out. And I'm just not sure what our response is going to be. Well, it's, I mean, in one sense, it's, I feel like a little bit like it's a lot easier to ignore them if they're not at City Hall. But but I, I, I feel you about like the importance of Dundurn as a symbolic mm-hmm. place. It, you know, it, it's a little touristy spot and mm-hmm. people go and stand in front of a big old building. For sure. People bring their families <clears throat> there, for example. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that if I had a six-year-old and an eight-year-old that I would feel comfortable going to Dundurn Castle on a Saturday yeah. or a Sunday. I don't want to have to see that or walk mm-hmm. through it or feel intimidated by it. Yeah. And knowing um, what the Yellow Vests in Canada are about. Well, so that's That's not cool. That, that's always seemed so muddy to me. Is I've, I've paid a whole bunch of attention to a lot of their online videos, and mm-hmm. and Zena's spoken with a couple of them, and they they seem to be about a lot of confusion and and a lot of conspiracy theory yes. that's really disparate between individuals, but yes. it all amounts to Trudeau secretly screwing us all, and that seems to be the through line: Trudeau secretly screwing us all, and I'm and I mean. <laughs> I don't necessarily disagree. It's just I, <laughs> I think that uh, in very different ways about a whole bunch of different things in which Trudeau's screwing us all. Mm-hmm. And um, but the, the the lack of sound thought to whatever collection of things that they're putting together as their group think, if you will, um, it's just. It's, it's crazy to me. I, it doesn't make any sense in any kind of coherent kind of way. And, <clears throat> like, I want to be able to point to them and say, these guys believe in this thing. And these guys, these people believe in this thing. And, and that's bad because yada yada and here's how it impacts people. But every time I think to try to do that, they're onto something else. And it's, you know, it's now Trudeau's bringing in secret children to sell to people or something. I don't even know. None of it makes any real tangible sense, so it's not arguable. When you're there in front of them and people are shouting things back and forth as they do, what are the things that they're shouting? Um, well, there's the whole um, aggressive, nasty side. So mm-hmm. let's put that aside sure. for now and focus on what they claim that they believe in mm-hmm. and what they claim to support. Uh, Trudeau, it's a huge theme. 
um, immigration and immigrants, another huge theme. Yeah. Uh, the UN, pipelines. Um, those are some of the key issues for mm -hmm. them. And I've tried having actual conversations with them with mixed success. Sure. Um, back when I started going back in January, um, I found that they were confused. Mm -hmm. And it was clear that they were getting their information from super sketchy sources. Sure. And that's the thing. If you don't have um, the background or the um, experience in critical thinking or critical ways of processing the information that's mm -hmm. in front of or you. Or even parsing sources, yeah. Or even logical thought, getting from point A to B to C in a way that actually makes sense in the real world. Then you're going to be at a disadvantage when you're thrown into their echo chambers mm -hmm. where they'll claim to be citing sources but the sources totally <clears throat> lack credibility mm -hmm. there's no academic rigor behind any of their claims it might as well be naturalnews.com and it often is the yeah. equivalent right so having an argument usually goes nowhere mm -hmm. and i had one useful helpful enlightening discussion with somebody and he seemed to get a lot out of the conversation too. Mm -hmm. um, it ended with us shaking hands and I didn't see that person again. And I'm not saying it's because I showed him sure. the light, yeah. <laughs> nothing like that. <laughs> maybe his friends thought he betrayed them by shaking my hand and they beat him up. I mm -hmm. don't know, I don't know. Or maybe he just, for whatever reason, wasn't showing up. Yeah. But I had to stop trying to engage with them mm -hmm. on um, anything like a... Because it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Um, there are some that... There's one woman that was particularly frustrating because every answer to every question I asked her was, well, my boyfriend says. Sure. And my boyfriend says. Uh -huh. It's like, well, okay, I'm going to stop wasting my time because I should just talk to your boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> right? And... Um, yeah, it's it's as though they have this alternate reality, mm -hmm. which with its own internal logic, and yeah. it makes sense to them and confirms prejudices, does whatever it needs to do to make them make sense of the world they live in. And let's face it, this is not a very straightforward, easy to understand world. It's sure. bloody complicated. Mm -hmm. And to be able to weed through the misinformation they have, it, it takes more than some of them seem to to have at their disposal. Mm. What they do have at quick disposal is feeling. They feel alienated. They feel yeah. frustrated. They feel like they've been passed over. Well, so these are realities that a lot of us have to deal with. And and I can't say that they're wrong about those things. Mm -hmm. You know, that, um, you know, particularly the economics of being poor yeah. um, and feeling squeezed out. and. And you see that kind of thing play into racism yes. often or into sexism really often because it's, mm -hmm. well, like, you know, now that the women are able to blah, 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 then, you know, that's why I'm poor. And it's, and I see how those lines are drawn, but, I, you know, it's clearly not true. It's not. And it seems to <clears> me that they're looking to blame the wrong people. And mm -hmm. we've seen scapegoating and how it works. There sure. are plenty of really horrible historical examples of yeah. what happens when you scapegoat an entire population mm -hmm. or an entire gender. But it's, it's very functionally, it works. It's, it provides a certain amount of satisfaction. Yeah. And it's, I've, I've kind of been looking at, in, in a general sense, how people get into these places. And, and, and so, like... I'll, I'll overstep a little bit and, and okay. describe the yellow, best, yellow vests as like proto-fascists. Okay. You know, imagining that their beliefs could continue to transform into something if you were to give them power, you know. Mm. Um, and and I, I look at, so how do people fall into this and who falls into this? Mm. So you've got a Paul from in at one end of the spectrum. And then you've got Justin Long at the other end of the spectrum. And I've listened to a lot of Justin's words. And I'm going to take a pause. Sorry? Use that one for now. That's all I'm going <clears> to <throat> say. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, Justin's at the opposite end of the spectrum of Paul. Okay. <clears throat> I've watched a lot of uh, online video of Justin Long speaking and... <clears throat> I'm going to start that again. I've watched a lot of online video of Justin Long speaking about the things he believes. And, and 
I'm not going to say he's stupid. I, I think that he's, as you're saying, getting things from a, a lot of really bad sources mm -hmm. and trying to put together an understanding of a reality that I'm trying to put it together an understanding of is like, you know, what is this ripoff that life is and why are things so hard and, you know, all of these things. And he's coming to some wrong conclusions. I would guess that Paul Fromm, on the other hand, has a really sound understanding of how our political system functions, who's advantaged and why, and how he can snake in and con people into supporting him to take advantage and move forward. So you've got, you know, and Justin is somebody who's demonstrated perseverance mm -hmm. um, as his like kind of core leadership quality. He's, you know, just out there and out there and out there and out there. And, and that's, you know, if he was fighting for something that I believed in, I'd be like, wow, that's really admirable. So I've got to give it to him on that. But his leadership as far as organizing folks and bringing things together and stuff like that is kind of lacking. And I'm wondering if that's perhaps why this remains a very ragtag thing. So I, I look at this and I'm... There's folks that are I'll just straight up say it, suckers, you know, getting sucked into something. And then there's another set of folks who would take advantage of those folks into not creating an army, but into creating supporters, you know, so the Maxime Bernier's of the world. Yes. And, and it's a really simplistic kind of way of looking at this stuff, but it functions really well to my mind is, you know, and... And then I look at, and this is the comparison that everybody loves to and hates to make, but you look into like what happened in Nazi Germany and, and how that came. And there was an oppressed underclass in Germany and there were people suffering and mm, it sucked, yeah. you know, and the divisions of wealth became broader and the middle class got crushed. And, and this is the situation that we're in now, you know, um, and I think that the entirety of the Western world is in the same kind of state. Oh, so we absolutely. end up seeing, you know, popular populism happening and, and those who would take advantage of, you know, and some of them aren't even that smart and still manage to succeed in doing the right things, a la Trump, etc. But um, I was just kind of wondering, ultimately, for yourself, do you see any means by which that's combated I tend to be a person who's really believes in the power of education mm -hmm. and reaching out to people yeah um, because I think these groups a lot of them are blaming the wrong people sure. they're blaming the people most vulnerable and the ones who have the least to do with creating the conditions that are mm -hmm. causing their suffering what they're not choosing to do is look at the economic structures, the political structures that are, from what I can see, attempting to create a permanent underclass, sure. a low-wage economy where the people at the top keep doing better and people down at the bottom are doing worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing those forces being uh, sort of at play in not just um, Europe and the Western world, but we see the rise of populism in, say, the Philippines. Sure. Um, we see populism in Venezuela, although it's a slightly different brand. It's the, mm -hmm. the left-wing brand of yeah. populism. But that same idea that um, there's this great historical past, we're going to return to it. We see mm -hmm. these themes repeated over and over and over. Yeah. And um, what we are seeing starting to happen here got started in Europe a while back. Mm -hmm. And... It didn't just happen on its own. Um, social media and the internet has had a huge role to play in all For of sure. this. We haven't even touched on that that broadly, but that's one of them. That specifically, pardon me, um, but that is something that's impossible to control. Mm -hmm. How do you do that without putting a, a blanket over communication? Yeah. Well, you can do things like you can repeal net neutrality, mm -hmm. <laughs> for example. Sure. That's way one way to control how conversations can flow. Yeah. That's how you can monetize something that 
was once wide open and free for everyone. Mm -hmm. So you see a lot of manipulation taking place. You saw it in France, you saw it in Greece, you see it in Hungary, you saw it in Austria, but that was a corrupt um, government that's collapsed under its, mm -hmm. the weight of its own corruption. And we see who's benefiting from all of this. Yeah. More and more, so much of this goes back to Vladimir Putin. Oh, sure. And his very smart way of manipulating the rest of the world. Well, it's, it, it's fascinating. I, so I've only recently, uh, Rachel Maddow has a new mm. book out, which I'm dying to Can't read. Can't wait to um, get my hands on a copy. And, and I'm not even necessarily a big, huge Rachel Maddow fan, but sure. I discovered what the book's about mm. and the amount of work that she put into it. And so I started doing a little bit of digging and I'm, wow. The gray zone? Well, no, the just the entire structure of um, the oil wealth of, of Russia mm -hmm. and how Putin feeds that back into his power centers is astounding. Mm -hmm. And basically, I look at that as like one of the core issues in the entirety of the world because it feeds back into everything. It feeds into populism it feeds into um corporate control mm -hmm. over um law mm -hmm. and the ability to continue to utilize oil and that's one of the big 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 huge reasons to put in right-wing governments you know and and like if you wanted to boil it down to just as simple as that is the only way that russia can continue to function as a nation and the richest man in the world, singular richest man in the world by far, apparently, um, can continue to acquire wealth is through the usage of oil. And and I didn't imagine that it was that simple. It, it is. And it, it's, uh, I mean, and I feel Rachel like Maddow I almost feel dumb about it. Yeah. No, well, Linda for not McQuaig, having that realization. Well, well, Linda McQuaig wrote about this years ago mm -hmm. in a book called It's the Crude Dude. Because it all boils back to energy. The yeah. planet is starving for it. It's a finite resource. It's just like if you got all the oil, you, you mm -hmm. win. And here we have yellow vest people down at City Hall in Hamilton on a small community level yeah. protesting for pipelines. Yeah. Because they want cheaper gas? Um, lower heating bills well there was that um united we roll convoy that went from yeah. uh, out west and went to we Ottawa. support the truckers yeah, we support the oil patch workers mm -hmm. and uh so you have all these um themes that play to people's emotions mm. um i don't know what justin long has in common with and a guy who works on an oil rig, sure. but they identify with that. Yeah. And I think part of the actual yellow vest, the actual physical thing, and part of the appeal is the machismo sure. that comes with it. And it's uh, sort of a uniform. So it's unifying as a group. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't imagine for a minute that the people in the Hamilton yellow vests believe that they have any connection whatsoever with Vladimir Putin and his objectives. No. They can't make the connections. Uh-huh. But they're there. Yeah. Well, it's it's like I'm concerned that it's almost too obvious at this point. But mm -hmm. but also, if you had asked me to try to draw those lines a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have been able to. And and I would have. I I don't even know what I would have argued it was, but I I never, in the past, put together the the power of mm -hmm. Russia. Mm -hmm. um, with regards to their economic power. Mm -hmm. And and th I think that's what has surprised me in, in the things that I'm reading lately yeah. is that their economic power is so vast and it's so far-reaching that you don't even really necessarily see it. And and we all know that you know, you've got your corporation and they're paying off a senator or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you know what corporation is paying, that corporation is paying that corporation in order to you know manipulate these things. And it's... It's not necessarily a senator listening and to whispers and thinking, well, I'm working with the Russians now. It's not that. It's almost never that unless it's the president or, you know, a few senators. For the most part, it's just like, well, we're doing good things that are good for business and that's what's good for America. And we're going to burn some coal and we're going to burn some gas. And it's all short term thinking. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, and without conscience, which is the frightening thing. Yeah. Because uh, someone like Trump, who's decided that he's really not interested in the Kurds or any anymore, he's causing sure. a bloodbath over there that's endangered his own troops, that's caused the Americans to blow up their own military base. Uh-huh. It's this giant debacle. Well, aren't there because still 50 nuclear missiles sitting there? There's someone in the White House who does not know what he's doing. How could you expect a real estate developer who with no political background... Uh-huh. And a belief in conspiracy theories. How can you expect someone like that to manage sure. something like the U.S. and its economy and its security and all the rest of it? Mm-hmm. It's it, it was an absurd mistake. But anyway, I'm getting off topic. Topic. What I wanted to talk about was, and I hope we can pause here or something. Um, I'll vamp. Well, yeah. The thing about the Russians is. Even though they do have considerable oil wealth, mm-hmm. their entire economy is dependent on oil. Yeah, and there's nothing Putin's, else that they could do. No, and Putin's control of Russia is really also dependent on that wealth. He's mm-hmm. got to keep this class of oligarchs happy, yeah. and he's also got to maintain um, popularity with the people. And as long as Russia's doing well because of oil, mm-hmm. they can focus their entire economy on oil wealth. That's yeah. that's their thing. Um but the problem is that although the Soviet Union was once really powerful militarily, mm-hmm. they actually declined in their power. And that's why they aren't depending on building up arms. They're not building um, weapons systems sure. the way they, they used to. Um, so what they've had to resort to is a type of warfare that is conducted on the cheap. Mm-hmm. And technology lets them do that. Yeah. And um, that's what I was one of the things I was referring to when I was talking about the gray zone. And Rachel will talk about it in her book. Mm-hmm. It's that new type of warfare that has arisen as a development of the post Cold War era. Mm-hmm. So the well, arms race is over. Yeah, when you're fighting an enemy that doesn't have um, the the same level of resources that you do, you can kill them really cheaply. You find smart ways yeah, to do what it. What you do is you don't send a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Like, so the people that came out of uh, Syria, that was a thousand soldiers. So what were those soldiers doing? You know, they were facilitating drone strikes and things like this and basically maintaining a presence. They weren't hand-to-hand combating with knives between their teeth and things like that. doesn't happen anymore. So America does war on the cheap as well because it's people that cost money. You know, or, you know, drones cost money as well. But but there's a lot of domestic mm-hmm. advantages to boosting your, your military budget. Yeah. And I think Trump, unfortunately, he made the mistake of trying to buy the allegiance of um, the Joint Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and with what Trump has done in that region right now, I, th- I think there could be a rebellion on his hands. Yeah. Uh, I think the armed forces, all the branches are, are sick of him and his lack of competence. And one, I, it's, one wonders the, how that plays into the Senate. Like, so the, the curious thing that to my mind uh, over the next year is how does an impeachment play in the Senate and, and who's embarrassed enough? Like what Republicans are like, that's enough. This is the line for me. It's starting. It was just a matter of time for them to get to that point. It's like in economics. There's a certain point where it's just no longer worth investing. Mm -hmm. I think they're there right now. I think we're going to see a drop in support, um, at least among um, traditional Republicans, who we really didn't think would allow things to get this far. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was in their own interest to keep him in yeah. the White House. Well, and there's so there's a time limit as well, though. So mm-hmm. if impeachment comes quickly enough, mm-hmm. they can field another Republican candidate for the 2020 election. Of course they can. Um, but if it doesn't come quickly enough, then they're stuck with them. And that's that's a scary idea. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, fully moving forward with this. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I, I, I mostly try not to present my thoughts on American politics <laughs> I can't because help I get myself. so frustrated. Please do. That I have studied the Russian uh, Cold mm-hmm. War, mm-hmm. and that infrastructure still exists. Oh, and very it's much. One of the most so. powerful. I mean, they took certain areas, and I'm sure you know where all these weird things are happening, and took the children and indoctrinated them into lies, like to tell people in Macedonia that you're not Greek. You're more special than the Greek. 
And they're doing that in the Ukraine as well, this promoting Russian policy. culture. Nothing yeah. to do with truth, absolutely mm-hmm. to do. And so they know the buttons to push mm-hmm. to, to divide and conquer areas. Yeah. So I, want, I thought you guys might want to get into that. And that's kind been, of, we were almost there when we were talking about... Um, Please include that because they have the infrastructure. No one else ever really did. Yeah, well, it's, it's uh, setting up the structure to be a superpower is is a fascinating thing and it's you know really it's only ever happened three times four times i suppose if you look at britain and consider britain to still be a decline of that mm. and it's how do you eradicate that you know how do you like even in a way that makes um sense for the people that are there move from being that to being just there and doing the business of being a nation and not the business of controlling the world so, you know, for Britain, they moved into uh, ideas of economic control and their, you know, supposedly post-colonial version of self. And and that's probably as horrific as, you know, the, the Russia that we see now that's still playing global games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, I mean, look, they've got Europe by the short and curlies over nothing brexit yeah the manipulation that turned that into a national issue that has pretty much pulled put their you know ability to act as a government to face really pressing issues on hold for this Mm. artificial it's a joke i i know every night putin probably goes to bed laughing his tits off because he can't believe how successful he was and um you know the same kind of manipulations in france and you know it is um well it's very surprising to see the uh the level of online manipulation of the yellow vests in france's message by russian bots it's when you start to dig into that that's a real shocker Mm -hmm. so when we look into political movements at this point and the power of bot armies on mm-hmm. Twitter in particular and definitely the power of purchased and, and transmitted things on Facebook, it's really, really, really intense. And I think we're only seeing glimpses into the glimpses. surface of it. Yeah. It's, I've looked into, so at the peak of um, <clears throat> the beginnings of the announcement of the election, I caught myself in an argument that didn't become an argument on Twitter. And then six other people joined and said the same thing as the guy oh, that said kidding. it. And I was like, what is this? Wow. So I went and each of these six profiles that was suddenly in an argument with me, that was, you know, beating me down, hadn't been active since the American election. And I'm like, what is this? What is this? This is the gray zone in action. Troll farms are cheap. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And incredibly effective. And helped along with, let's just talk about Facebook as as being the vehicle Mm -hmm. that has put a lot of the ideas out there that's responsible for surveillance, that's selling our data, and we invite it into our pockets. Yeah, accepting fully. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Here's my life. Take it. Yeah. And it's, I, I'm the type of, I won't even get a shopper's card. You know, for <laughs> thing, you, I won't, mm-hmm. they're paying attention to my purchases. Mm-hmm. I'm so paranoid about that. And, and I look at Facebook and, and every little bit of it is knowingly for me. Mm-hmm, of course. I, I have thought of every little thing yeah. that they're taking from me and utilizing. And I'm like, well, I won't give them permission to the microphone on my phone. It's all about the settings. Yep. Know your settings, people. Mm. Just <laughs> review them but, regularly. <laughs> so the thing is, is like I know what they're doing to me and my do. information and and my photographs and mm-hmm. you know and just constantly tracking my location. And I'm like, now I'll let you track my location so I can find a restaurant really easily sometime in the future or write this review. I don't even know why I'm allowing it. I still resist in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I, I try and make it as hard for them as I possibly can. But part of me realizes, you know what? As soon as I upload a photo, type a sentence, I have to accept that it's out there. Sure. It's going to end up wherever it ends up. Yeah. I got nothing to hide. 
fine mm-hmm. and just do it that way. Um, because I'm willing to play along to get what I want out of Facebook, sure. which is an easy way to set up group discussions, Community. send out pictures, all mm-hmm. the stuff that attracted me in the first place yeah. still keeps me there. Well, I but only have you because of Facebook. That's there. right. Is that true? I don't know. Yeah, is that you, where we first met? I think it was. Um, I mentioned something about ha- not having gone on an art crawl. And you said you were going to come and throw me over your shoulder and take <laughs> that was a more crawl. testosterone <laughs> version of me. <laughs> I remember that version <laughs> of you. I love this version, too. Hey, this version's real pretty. <laughs> I, I, I still have enough arm strength to throw you over my shoulder. <laughs> okay, cool. And thank you. Um, yeah, it's where I'm trapped. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm trapped. I, I, um, a year ago, uh, as I began you know, this whole transition deal, I thought, Maybe that's it for me in Facebook. Maybe I'm going to do this more privately. And I couldn't. I couldn't. And and I was like, that was with me thinking that everyone that I knew wouldn't approve. And that there'd be a handful of people left over. I was just like, no, I need the Facebook thing because I'd feel so alone. And I wouldn't have all of these inputs. And I wouldn't understand the world in the way that I do. And, and let's be real, I wouldn't have influence. But look how, it's tur- look how it's turned it's, out. That's turned out phenomenally. Yeah. So, you know, many people approve of me, apparently, <laughs> oh. which is nice. Yeah. But but also, I remain with the Facebook. And, mm-hmm. and it's still a very big part of my life. Mine too. And that's... There's... Literacy is, is a word that, you know, classically means what it means. It means, you know, able to read. And, and there was a, a revolution of literacy occurring after the printing press. And, and I feel like the, the modern version of literacy or like the new literacy is like checking your sources and mm-hmm. finding out what is actually real. And then you've read a really good article from the CBC or the New Yorker or something like that. Well, Let's see what the other side says about the exact same thing and how they're positioning this. And, you know, going through, spending 10 minutes, just 10 minutes Do it. to learn all sides of a thing. Yes. Because getting positioned into just one side of the thing, I, I'll be super open about this. I think that people on the left are just as confused as people on the right very, very often. And... And I try to see through that, and I know that I'm getting snowed in certain ways. You know, when there's a mass of upset about a certain thing, and I'll tell you where I saw it most pronouncedly, and and it actually really upset me, is what was the name of the... um, Donna Skelly, Donna Skelly, Donna Skelly. (laughs) Donna Skelly being, saying that she was pushed. Mm. about a year ago or eight months ago or something like that i saw all of the same people that were well joey coleman got pushed at city hall and i believe him and this is an atrocity and you know all of those same people be like just saying awful things about donna skelly for i don't know what the push was that happened to her Mm -hmm. but i spoke to her about very specifically about what happened to Joey and her perspective. She's a former journalist. Her perspective on that. She had a great deal of compassion for what happened to Joey when we spoke. And, uh, you know, interviewed her for the film The Push. And and I, I really liked seeing that from her, even though politically I was kind of like, this lady is not really my bag of tea. Bag of tea? Cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> and then to see so many of the people that I consider to be allies who are compassionate and, and caring people that uh, have beautiful hearts, be like, fuck that bitch, over her being pushed and saying something about it. I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. So if it's the bad guy, the conservative, we don't have compassion. And and that was like a big moment for me. I just, I, I took a step back from a whole bunch of things with regards to my idea about politics in a general kind of sense and how they function on a personal level, I was like, this is how the Trump thing happens because you'll accept the bullshit if it's for the person on your side. Of course. But you won't offer the compassion if it's for the person that's on the other side. 
And it's morality doesn't matter as long as the people that we like are winning. And, you know, the current coming election, this will be released after that. So we don't know who won, but I hope it's okay. (laughs) Isn't that something that humans do, though? If you confirm something that they are already um, predisposed towards believing... Mm-hmm. They're going to believe it. And that's what makes people so easy to manipulate. You feed yeah. them half of what they think they already know. Uh-huh. And then you add a little bit of factoid that's going to feed the outrage sure. a little bit. And then up the and stakes and it, up the stakes. Exactly. Now, I missed the whole Donna Skelly thing. I don't know. Mm. Why, or I, was probably... I can't remember who it was, but just coming out of Parliament, she got pushed by, really? I think it was, who's the NDP leader? Um, From uh, Hamilton. Currently? Yeah. Or... I can't remember her name. Oh, Andrea Horvath? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I, I think she, it was Andrea supposedly Horvath her. Pushed Jonas yeah, and I, I think I it was that. just kind of like a, she got in her way and gave her a little <laughs> nudge kind of thing. Yeah, let's I don't think it was away. like anything horrific. But in my head, when I heard about it, I was like, oh, I hope Donna's okay. Yeah. And I probably did that just because I've met her and, and done what we're doing right now with her. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my heart goes out to her a little mm-hmm. bit. But everybody else was like, nah, for her. No, I can't, I can't do it that way. And, and uh, this just reminds me of what happened at Mohawk College not long ago, where there was a conflict <clears throat> between Maxime Bernier supporters sure. and a lot of people who were not in favor of Maxime Bernier or his party. Yeah. There were sort of um, extreme elements from both sides present. Mm-hmm. And some people were sort of middle. I think I'm sort of in the middle in that particular scenario yeah um but i'm sorry i have enough of a moral compass that says standing in front of an 81 year old getting in her way shouting in her face is not cool that's bullying by any standard Uh so yes that woman was going in to hear somebody that i didn't want um her necessarily to believe Mm -hmm. sure her money is contributing towards his campaign but you know what it's her right to do that so the longer version of that video is there's three people standing there on the crosswalk, yeah. kind of the quote-unquote blocking access or whatever, but there's space on the left of them, space on the right of them, mm-hmm. and this little old lady chose to walk up to them instead of around them, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and before she even approached them, they were chanting the same thing that they were chanting when she arrived at them. So that changes it up in my head a little yes. bit. Yeah, this is that you know, thing, So you, yeah. you contextualize something, and, and when you remove the context, it's these people are blocking a sweet little old lady and chanting, yelling Nazi, Nazi, Nazi mm-hmm. in her face. And it's like, well, yeah, that's wrong. I think that let's check. <laughs> I like old people, I think. Yeah, okay. But when you get the bigger context, she could have walked around. Everything was fine. You'd watch a little bit closer in the video and she's running over their toes with her walker. Yeah, you know what? And, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm not saying that either side yeah. there was right. I don't no. think she should be going and supporting financially. And also, you know, those folks could have, in the moment, taken a little bit more care and just been like, all right, whatever, lady. I kind of wish they had. Maybe I'm biased because I work with seniors. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I disagree with lots of them. There's one table where the Trump supporters sit. And Uh I listen to their nonsense, occasionally interject a comment or a question. Um, But to me, I just think if I'm at a bus stop. And yeah. there's a, a senior citizen. I don't know her politics or anything. I mm-hmm. don't know if she's been waiting there longer than me or whatever. But you know what? I'm going to let her get oh, on the sure. bus first. So if she was going to be obstinate and push her way through, mm-hmm. would it have killed them to step aside and let her through? No, not at all. And it's so that's I think that's how I would have behaved in that moment. I'm not. <clears throat> I'm not. Uh, I'm not mad at the situation enough to. I think this is like the most that I've ever thought about it. Okay, cool. You know. Oh, it was really overblown in the media, as it does. And that's the thing. When we're um, at City Hall in the forecourt, back in the the days when there was more open conflict, Mm -hmm. um, what you see in your immediate vicinity is the show. Yeah. That's it. You're not aware of what's happening in that pocket over there or over there or behind you. Uh-huh. Um, there are some vantage points where you can get an overall look yeah. and, and get a feel for the shape mm. of the interactions. But when you're in it, it's really hard to see past it. And it's very and, intense. And maybe that's how it is for people who support the yellow vests, because when they're in it, when they're in the... Um, 
not having a proper job, not being able to afford a car, doing all the, not being able to afford the food that you want, sure. and seeing that so many people are doing well, and Justin Trudeau in his election campaign is celebrating the economy. Yep. It's the economy that has passed you by. Uh -huh. So I really do understand <clears throat> where the impatience, uh, where a lot of that frustration comes from. Sure. And like, I mean, I, I understand it perfectly. <laughs> and my brain sometimes is like, seize the means of production. But... <laughs> You know, instead of the, the other thing. But I, I try not to get carried away too, too much with that. I want better for all of us. And, and, and knowing that at the core, at the very least, they want better for themselves. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just not being moderated. No, and they're not going about it the right way. And they again, they're blaming the wrong people for their yeah. circumstances. And it's, I, you know, I keep coming back to a thing with regards to this is like, how do we stop those people from being that way? And, yeah. and you, you kind of, well, yes and no. Yes and no. It's so maybe right. I'm not stopping Justin yeah. Long and the specific people yeah. that are down at, yeah. I'm, I'm not going down there to give them any hugs. Mm. you know Me too. And, and i'm not gonna spend time educating them and making sure that they're okay mm. but i've come to the realization that there was a point where i was cutting people out of my life real hard and real fast and i needed to do that to protect myself and and so doing that for a little while i started to really think about what was happening there and i'm not saying that people that i've cut out of my life are like now they're lost and they're going to become nazis not quite saying that in a bigger sense than me the more that we as individuals and communities are there for and with other people um the less likely people are to slip through those cracks Absolutely. that become you know, and, and the more we recognize that we're powerful together, I think that there's a, a better chance for people to not fall into these places. So I've decided that, you know, next time somebody that I'm friends with on Facebook but barely know goes off on a rant about the chemtrails and this and that and the other thing and the Trudeau and all of that, I'm going to respond a little bit more politely. And I'm not going to instantly cut them out of my life. And, mm -hmm. and that's going to be emotional labor on my part. And I'm going to put a little bit of myself into the people that are around me as much as I can. And, and I don't know if that's like a really solving, solving anything. But like my hope is that if I do that and other people are able to do that, the, the more often that that happens that we can all do better and and i look at like you know anarchists mm -hmm. and like what are they really doing what do they really want no oh, they want the chaos no they want better communities mm -hmm. you know what is the tower in hamilton tangibly doing providing a center around around which people can community and, and i call it organizing as a community they probably mm -hmm. use a different word but and that's a beautiful and important and wonderful thing and and I, i'm hopeful for more of that and i, I see you doing that with folks i try you are you know so patient i do have some friends that um say things that i find sometimes offensive outrageous mm -hmm. or they're getting their information from sources that are just like i said sketchy sure. um but i do try and we could name them talk right to now, them but no we won't. <laughs> trying to share information um I work at a community center in, yeah. in North Hamilton, and um, a community center is what it is. It's mm -hmm. everybody who lives there is more than welcome to come in. So I saw one guy who had written something on my own uh, page that was so brutally offensive. I just, he, I did the rare step of defriending him. Yeah. Anyway, there's this one day, and I look down the hall, and it's like, is that him? And he sees me looking back, and I'm looking back, and he finally goes and I wave back uh -huh. because he's my neighbor too yeah and I don't think cutting people off does anyone any good I want to keep that dialogue open and mm -hmm. available and I'm also interested in their points of view I really am sure. so I 
you know, I read their stuff and think, well, should I respond to that or should I leave it? Uh But I think that's, that's the whole point because we're all in this together. Yeah, we actually are all in this together. Uh And to make the changes that we need to make, that's going to keep people from taking desperate measures like joining Yellow Vests, we have to make this a better world. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do this by pushing people away. We have to be open to things that we don't agree with. And it's not comfortable. It doesn't always feel good. It can feel quite threatening at times to let that space open. I've been looking over my shoulder all summer long, mm-hmm. feeling not safe yeah. because I know what the conversations can be like in those chat rooms. Sure. But you know what? I've recently started making a lot of my posts public. Yeah. Even the ones where I say, oh, geez, they're going to really hate this. I'll put it up anyway. Because mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that post is going to affect them. Or if I do 30 posts like that, if that's going to influence sure. anybody. one every but once it's, in a while a little bit. It's out there. And I'm not preaching. I'm just talking mm-hmm. and sharing information, sharing good information yeah. and talking about that. I usually do a little preamble before I post anything. Mm-hmm. Um but we have to connect because the bigger task that's ahead of us, everybody needs to be on board with that. And that's dealing with climate change. And yeah. I'm really annoyed that I've been sort of kicked off my stride because I really wanted to focus this whole summer, my efforts on social media elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about food security sure. and climate change. Yep. I actually held a conference on food and climate change, maybe I still at an environment Hamilton. So it's maybe seven years ago. I mm-hmm. brought in a couple of guest speakers, uh, rented a room at Mac. And I think there were five of us all together. Oh. <laughs> I tried to do research ahead of the fact. Yeah. Couldn't find anything. Even Elizabeth May had written a, a book about cli- climate change for dummies. Mm-hmm. No mention of food whatsoever. Wow. It's changing. It's happening really slowly. Uh-huh. Mac hosted an event on the subject of food and climate change this summer. Oh, that's awesome. Lots of people went. So well, we I mean, the to... first thing that I think about is is transportation, and that's mm-hmm. the thing that most needs to shift to my mind. Mm, but... It's like, how the fuck can I buy blueberries in February, and why? And what's for two dollars? You say? Well, I'll buy them, but what's the real cost? What's here? the real cost? I mean, um, one of the biggest food activists on the planet is a woman named Vandana Shiva. She's mm-hmm. a biologist, and her estimate is that. Um, foods systems that's how we plant it how we grow it how we ship it cook it waste it yeah. is uh, responsible for up to 40 percent of greenhouse gas emissions on this planet uh-huh. why no one was talking about it all these years i don't know and then i got distracted by making ice cream so anyway oh. this was my year to get back on the food uh-huh. issue but unfortunately the um presence of the yellow vests and their invitation to the proud boys and the soldiers of odin sure. the canadian national party maxime bernier's party that has taken over mental space that should be devoted to climate change and i'm yeah. actually pissed off about Let's, it we have an election coming up this week and i've barely thought about it really i'm just like i know who the bad guy yeah. is and I know who the pretty good guy is, and I know who the meh is. But like outside of that, I haven't been communicating about that or thinking about that, or you know, I'm not giving myself enough space to worry about it. I'm just gonna cross my fingers, I think, for this one. Yeah. Well, I thought last time we had a federal election in this country that we'd have a minority government, and yeah. we didn't. And I think that was a really good thing. Uh-huh. Um, not that I'm a huge Justin Trudeau fan. It was good um, as a shift. It was a yeah. much-needed shift. And if we get a minority government this time, I think that might be okay because it forces collaboration across party lines. Mm-hmm. And historically, some of the best legislation to come out of our House of Commons has been under minority governments. Exactly. So let's, let's hope that works. Yeah, the, I mean, the last time there was a coalition between the liberals and conservatives liberals and ndp some of the greatest things that we think of as the core of what canada is occurred Mm. so i'm crossing my fingers about all of the future things and Mm. not sinking into the ocean and being here with karen which is wouldn't that be great drinking tea and whatever it is you're you're drinking there an empty glass (laughs) (laughs) oh well we shouldn't toast because apparently you shouldn't toast with an empty glass people tell me that it's like the very worst thing that you can do and you're sure to die immediately wow i've heard even water is evil Uh if you if you toast with water oh well i will not do anything be very careful thank you so much for joining me today it was so great to see you it's such a pleasure to see you and to talk with you and to enjoy this really cool space on that cat 
Oh, yeah. Lucky the kitty's, cat. Kitty's wonderful. Yeah. As long as she doesn't floof like right up, <laughs> up your nose and make you sneeze. <laughs>